Welcome to Phillies Talk, the independent podcast from FightinPhillies.com, featuring news and views about Phillies baseball. Now, here's Rich Baxter talking Phillies baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk. It's the Phillies Talk podcast, the original, going back to uh, oh, around 2006, talking about the Phillies uh, every week. For a few years now, and I'm joined by my co-host and good buddy, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Matt Vesey. How are you, Matt? Hey, Rich. How are you? All right. Not bad for a Sunday afternoon here. I expected to see the Phillies on Sunday afternoon, but of course, uh, second week in a row here, they're going for Sunday night baseball. Sunday night baseball, and uh, Bryce Harper will be mic'd up, so that should be interesting. I think... Uh, Francisco Lindor to Mets shortstop will also be mic'd up. So uh, looking forward to a nice Sunday evening. The first two games between these teams have been uh, pretty interesting, uh, relatively uneventful as far as uh, there hasn't been any kind of bad blood or anything. There was talk coming into the series that uh, the Mets were leading baseball and being hit by a pitch and Phillies uh, pitchers, uh, I think, had hit a bunch of players and they thought there might be something there, but uh, it's the first meeting between these two teams. So uh, that was really just coming in to see. I don't think that there was anything to that. It wasn't like there was bad blood between these two teams coming in. It's just a question of them both being National League East rivals and looking forward to this rubber match tonight. Yeah. I've went back and seen some of the video on the Mets batters that were hit. It didn't seem like it was on, intentional to me with some of them at least with alonzo and unfortunately yeah he got beamed in the head twice which is very rare for a batter but uh, seems like the pitchers are complaining about the grip on the ball lately so um without this little sticky uh stuff that they used to use probably they're having a, a hard time controlling it but uh how about when they pan over to the mets manager in the dugout, and he gives you one of these uh, strange looks when they come inside now. I'm a big fan of Buck Walter. I always was. And uh, the Mets have been, they've kind of stumbled over themselves. I, I nicknamed them the New York mess uh, the last few years. They've had talent, and they just, they never live up to their talent. And one of the, even though they made a couple of nice additions and signings in the off season, especially bringing in a guy like Max Scherzer, um, brought in a pitcher, Chris Bassett from the A's, uh, really bolstered their pitching rotation. Even with any player moves that they've made, I thought that one, when they hired Buck Showalter to be their manager, that was the one move that really, made me a little bit concerned only because I really respect show Walter. I think he's a really a strong manager. And I think, I think he's going to more than any of the players, uh, not that the players won't matter, of course, but they have to perform. But I think show Walter is going to make a difference in the, in the clubhouse, in their attitude, in the way that they prepare. Um, he's very fastidious. Uh, he's very knowledgeable about the game, and I I, I like Joe Walter, and uh, so you know, and and he's and he's demonstrable, like you said. So he's going to make some faces, and he's going to have some opinions when uh, his players, you know, get hit. Uh, they, they they get hit, you know, like you said. I think if you evaluate each each hit by a pitch 
on its own merits. I don't think there was a whole heck of a lot of intent on any of the pitchers who hit the Mets batters, but it happened and it happened more frequently than you would be comfortable with. So uh, I think it's understandable, a little bit understandable that they, that the Mets players and, and uh, management got a little bit upset, you know, about, uh, and, and, and I guess, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of these unwritten rules, you know, baseball, but uh, I think you ha- at some point you have to stand up, you know, for your players. So, you know, if it had continued, you know, I think you would have seen some, uh, some ugliness, you know, in some of these Mets games. I mean, you did have a, a little bench clearer there last week with them, uh, not involving the Phillies, but uh, uh, so far this series, thankfully, it's been pretty quiet on that front. Um, there is a problem, like you mentioned, with the balls. It's not just uh, the Mets pitchers. It's the Phillies pitchers have complained about it. And if you follow social media in baseball, uh, pitchers across the game, managers across the game are complaining about the new baseballs. <clears throat> they're they're prepared a little bit differently. Um, their pitchers are not getting as good of a grip on them so that they're not being able to throw the same kinds of breaking balls. They don't have the same kind of control. <clears throat> uh, each major league ballpark now is equipped with a humidor like they used to have in Colorado. Uh, so this is, this is affecting the, the humidor. And I think the, the balls, which are affecting the pitcher's ability to throw certain breaking balls. I think, I think it's all adding up to <clears throat> some problems that major league baseball is going to have to adjust as far as the equipment goes, uh, specifically the ball and the way it's prepared. Yeah. And they're even starting to call this the dead ball era as uh, some of the offense is not being produced uh, early on this season. So we'll have to see if that's addressed as well. And as you said, Buck Showalter has been a uh, equalizing force for the Mets. He's been a, a presence, so to speak, on you know a lot of matters. And it seems like the players kind of play for him better, so to speak. He demands sort of a, a respect. And that's a good thing. That's a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, getting back to the Phillies game from a week ago, we saw a terribly called baseball game. Uh, a lot of strikes were balls. A lot of balls were strikes. And uh, we didn't see Joe Girardi pop out there before Kyle Schwarber did and go crazy. And I'm wondering if Girardi is a little bit too laid back for the Phillies team. It had me thinking about that. Uh you know, I'm I'm a Girardi fan. Um, not not you know crazy, you know, big big crazy fan of Girardi, but I'm, I don't have anything against him. I I don't think that what's going on with the Phillies really has anything to do with Girardi. I've seen a lot of, I've seen uh, a lot of social media complaints about the lineups and so when you get no hit like the Phillies did on Friday night. And then even last night, I think it was into what was at the seventh inning before they finally busted out a little bit. Uh, you know, you're talking about a good 15 innings where they did absolutely nothing. Uh, the manager can't pick up the bat and swing the bat for these players. The Phillies have good hitters throughout their lineup <clears throat> and the uh, productive, historically offensive uh, baseball players. And 
you could you could almost you know shake it up in a hat and pull them out in any order and you should be able to get production out of this lineup and the phillies have not gotten that consistent production out of their hitters to this point in the season and that's the main reason why they're still sitting at 500 they're still 11 and 11 and um i i expect the hitters to get going at some point. Um, but none of that's on Girardi. Uh, the, the team prepares per, pre- professionally. And, you know, whether you would rather have a fiery guy like a Larry Boa or whether you'd have a more, you know, laid back guy like a Gabe Kapler or whether you'd like somebody in between like a Buck Showalter, maybe a little a little bit edgy, but a little, little bit analytical as well. But there's all kinds of styles with managers teams in my opinion tend to overreact with managers they they have a laid-back guy and then fans complain and uh, depending on the results the team goes well we need a fiery guy and they hire a fiery guy and then it goes south and like we need a more laid-back guys and to me that yo-yo that that's bad for an organization Uh, i always think back to the dodgers and how historically they had, I remember growing up as a kid, they had Walter Alston when I was a little kid forever. And then Alston, when he finally got older and retired, they went to Tommy Lasorda and they had Lasorda forever. Um, and now they've done the exact same thing with their, their, with their uh, management. And, you know, you look at the Dodgers over the last you know, decade and it's hard to argue you know, with the results that they've had mostly under Dave Roberts. So I'm, a, I'm big for if I'm a major league baseball owner or general manager and you do your due diligence as a professional talent evaluator and you say, I like this guy to be the manager of my baseball team, then I'm going to hire a manager. If I think he's good enough, um, I'm going to hire a a somewhat younger guy, maybe a guy in his forties or low fifties. And I'm giving that guy the reins for the longer term. I'm not going to be juggling my managers every two or three years uh, based on some cycle of the talent on my ball club or the social media response of the fans. If I like my manager and I would, I mean, if I'm running a baseball team, I'm going to hire a manager. It's going to be a guy who I respect and like uh, say like a buck show Walter. And then he's going to be my manager as long as he wants to be. I mean, if he wants to be the manager for 10 years, 15 years, he's going to be the guy and we'll, we'll cycle around him with our talent. So, uh, you know, it's. It, I don't have any problem with Girardi. I just. I hope the Phillies don't pull the rug out under Girardi because the team's not performing. <clears throat> the players have to perform, and right now the players aren't performing. At least the hitters aren't performing consistently enough. If they do, there's plenty enough talent here to make the postseason. So, I mean, it's early. They're only a couple of games out of the third wild card. They're only, you know, a handful of games behind the Mets. They win tonight. I think they move within three games of the Mets. They play them four times at Citizens Bank Park this coming Thursday through Sunday. So it's early yet. And uh, for, this is a big early game uh, tonight. They got Max Scherzer on the mound for the Mets. The Phillies are countering with Zach Eflin. Uh, It's a rubber game. The Phillies were no hit on Friday night. So for the Phillies to be able to fight and take this rubber game, 
that would be huge here in the early going. It would push them over to 500 mark. It would give them a win in this series, uh, pull them within two games that have, of the Mets who've had a really hot start, and they would have beaten Scherzer. So uh, this, is, this is a big night for the Phillies. And Scherzer has not been easy on them the last couple of years and really over his whole career. Yeah, he's 3-0, and had a magnificent, magnificent start to this year, 1.80 ERA, 33 strikeouts. Phillies can beat them, though. You know, we haven't seen the best of the Phillies offense yet. Um, one night, one guy will carry it, Bryce Harper, then Castellanos, then maybe Schwarber, as he did last night. But we haven't seen them all combine on the same night very much. Uh, and that's what the Phillies have to rely on down the road with this offense. So uh, Evan, any given night, they could beat Scherzer. They could come out tonight and uh, – really whip up on him, and I hope they do. Zach Eflin's coming back off a good start for him. He's got his win in his last start. ERA is 3.20, and uh, hopefully he brings his good stuff tonight as well. Yeah, Eflin pitched really well his last outing. Uh, beat the Rockies, I believe, five days ago. Uh, so that's the certainly the Zach Eflin we'd like to see tonight. But uh, the Phillies are up against it with Scherzer. There's no doubt about it. Um, over his career against the Phillies, Scherzer is 15 and four with a 2.47 ERA. He's got 26 career starts against them. He has struck out 208 batters in 163.2 innings. Now, Scherzer's done that kind of thing to a lot of teams, but 15 and four with a 2.47 ERA over your career, uh, that's pretty strong against one team. Over the last two years, that counts a start earlier this year. Uh, Scherzer is 4-0 and against the Phillies. Uh, in five starts, he's struck out 35 batters in 27 innings and only allowed 18 hits to the Phillies. So uh, he's only given up four runs to them in those five starts. So the Phillies are going to have to reverse that trend against Max Scherzer if they're going to beat him tonight. Uh, they're, they're scoring less than a run per game against him over the last two years. Uh, as you mentioned, they have the, the ability if they all bust out on one night, but that's kind of been the MO this year, hasn't it, Rich? Uh, they've, they're something like tied for eighth in all of baseball in runs per game, which is pretty good. But uh, when you really break it down, there's like three or four games there where they exploded offensively, and that's what's elevated their average runs per game. Uh, without those three or four explosive games, they're, you know, they would be near the bottom. I mean, they're only averaging maybe two and a half, three runs per game, and that's not going to win most nights in Major League Baseball. So the offense needs to get a little more consistent. Uh, a lot more consistent if they're going to win at the pace that we think that this team is capable of. So uh, uh, I'm looking for, I mean, it's tough to think that you're going to start doing that against Max Scherzer, but uh, if it doesn't happen tonight, at some point uh, real soon, this offense has to start getting uh, producing runs more consistently. Those don't need those 10 run outbursts all the time, but producing, you know, five and six run outbursts more consistently. That's going to win a lot of games over time. Yeah. And as you said, the Mets uh, coming up tonight at 7.08, first pitch ESPN, they put their lineup out already. I've been scanning social media for the Phillies lineup. I haven't come up with it yet, but uh, here's who the Phillies will be going up against tonight. 
If you're watching this video on the YouTube channel, uh, Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindori has been wonderful for the Mets already this year. McNeil Alonzo, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. He's uh, had about 11 singles, I think I heard on the broadcast the other night, and he just broke uh, about a week or 20 at-bats with no home runs uh, in the previous game. Eduardo Escobar, don't know too much about him. Dominic Smith's been with the Mets for a couple years. Starling Marte's been one of the bright stars for the Mets. Luis Guillorme, he's been pretty good. Thomas Nito, and then, of course, uh, Max Scherzer. So uh, we have our work cut out for us tonight through the Phillies, and um, this will be the sixth time that the Phillies and the Mets face one another. By the end of May, they'll have played 13 games. As you said, there's a four-game series coming up next week in Philadelphia, and then by the end of the month, the Phillies will be back on uh, – Sunday night baseball for the end of May. So uh, these two teams are going to be playing the bulk of the season uh, series in the next month. Yeah, as you said, the Phillies lineup isn't out yet. Uh, really the key tonight is for the Phillies is going to be those uh, first four or five batters in the Mets order. They, uh, they're talented hitters. They're talented offensive performers. Uh, Nimmo in center field really seems to um, seems to really produce against the Phillies. And he's having a good start to the season overall. He's hitting 270 with three homers and seven RBIs. And uh, he's that kind of spark plug at the top of the batting order that the Phillies, frankly, could use uh, as their center fielder. Uh, then you got Francisco Lindor. Uh, you got a, a, a nice little hitter in Jeff McNeil. Uh, Pete Alonzo, of course, is their cleanup hitter. So uh, and, and Escobar, <clears throat> he's got a lot of experience hitting out of that five hole. Uh, but the bottom four guys in the Mets order uh, really haven't hit too well. Although Marte has driven in a lot of runs and he's got four steals. <clears throat> he's their uh, their leader or second in, on the team to Alonzo and RBIs. But I still think the key to the Phillies tonight is going to be for Eflin tonight is going to be Sado's first, you know, four batters, Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo. If Eflin can control them, um, I think that the Phillies are going to have a really good shot tonight. Yes, indeed. And just as we mentioned it, uh, the press have posted the Phillies lineup for tonight. Uh, Segura leads off Hoskins in the second hole. Harper's the DH again, batting third. Castellanos, fourth. Real Muto, Schwarber, Bohm, Camargo, and Herrera round out the uh, batting for the Phillies. And they just a minute ago announced that. So the Phillies uh, lineup is up here as we're getting closer to game time. And A-Rod and uh, Michael Kay will be broadcasting this game. They don't always broadcast every game over at ESPN2, but they have one of those like secondary channels going where they start talking about anything they want to during the broadcast. Have you had a chance to check out any of that yet? Uh, no, I haven't. You know, I usually stick to the main broadcast or uh, if I'm not actually watching the game, I'll be following it on my app uh, if we have something else going on here at the house. So it... I haven't watched the secondary broadcast yet, but uh, you know that's something extra. Uh, you know, if, if fans are interested in checking it out, yeah, I 
tuned into a couple of them already. The second one was better than the first. The first one, in my opinion, was like the A-Rod show. Michael K. just sat back while the game went on. You know, they didn't hardly comment about the game. Like, it was more like, oh, what'd you do today, A-Rod? Oh, I went shopping. I did this. I went that. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, after a few minutes of that, we're here to watch a baseball game. But the second time I watched it, they commented on the game a little more. So I hope I'll tune in tonight for a few minutes and see. It's a little distracting because sometimes they're not commenting on the game, and that's unfortunate. But that's, I guess, what you go to tune in to see, the game, not necessarily you know, all the banter. But uh, we'll see how that does tonight. They don't always do it. It's every other week or so, I guess, when, the, uh, when Michael K. can make it in. I think the last broadcast they had, he had to be helicoptered from like Baltimore to New York in order for him to make the show. So they talked about that for a minute or two. But uh, interesting stuff there from ESPN. Um, they they seem to put on a good broadcast lately. They have a lot of camera angles, you know, more than uh, we're used to with our local broadcast for sure. Still not sold on who's broadcasting. I think David Cohn, Carl Ravitch calling the game. Uh, I do enjoy it though much better than the previous uh, A-Rod calling the game. I do like Matt Vaskurgeon, but he moved on. So uh, we'll see what Carl Ravitch has to say tonight about the Phillies. Yeah, broadcasters generally don't bother me. You know, um, those are knowledgeable and these guys are knowledgeable. They do a good job. Uh, the, the one thing that I usually ask for and that I really enjoy, uh, if I really want to be able to say at the end of a broadcast, hey, I enjoy that, is I like broadcasters who know how to and who do let the game breathe. Uh, baseball is a game where you don't have to be running your mouth constantly, you know, uh, feeling like I have to keep talking. I have to fill in. That's my job. So I got to be informing the fans. Uh, <clears throat> let the game breathe at times. Um Vin Scully with the Dodgers was outstanding at this. Uh, even when we had two broadcasters in the booth, Harry and Whitey here for decades, uh, they knew how to let the game breathe. How to, they didn't have to constantly <clears throat> be talking or bannering and explaining and, and uh, describing. They, they did it. They did their job. But there are times when you just let the game go, uh, even on the radio. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But ESPN does a nice job. And one thing that with the Phillies lineup, you mentioned uh, you ran down. One thing that kind of surprises me a little bit is that DD's out of the lineup. And I say that for a couple of reasons in that he's we're facing a right hander. So you would think that a big experienced, you know, bat who's had some history of production, uh, even if he's down at the bottom of the order, like Gregorius would be, it'd be a good thing to have that left-handed bat in against a right-hander Scherzer. But, uh, and, and you're in New York, you know, where DD played plenty. You'd think, you know, he's a, you know, the lights on kind of player, uh, but he is, you know, oh for his last 10 uh, after he had a couple of good games when he first came back um, against Colorado earlier this week. Uh, he then went into that, like I said, that a little 0 for 10 funk he's in here. But you can't get out of a funk by not playing. And uh, <clears throat> lefty against righty, I, you know, not that Camargo won't do the same thing, but 
I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm not saying, uh, from, you know, disappointed. I'm not saying it would have been better if Didi was in there, but it's kind of a surprising move on Joe's part. And, you know, maybe it has something to do with uh, defense as well. Camargo's a little better defensive player and Eflin's going to uh, hopefully throw a bunch of ground balls. So that's may factor into it. Uh, so, you know, we'll just see how that goes. Uh, not that Camargo isn't a, a decent player, but uh, it's a little bit surprising uh, that Gregorius is getting a night off on Sunday night baseball in New York, uh, but a lefty righty veteran matchup uh, that he could have possibly had. Yeah. You wonder, you know, with him coming back recently from injury, maybe, they wanted to give him a rest or something like that. Uh, Camargo, though, could be a bright spot for the Phillies. He's uh, surprised on certain nights. Um, Hoskins came through last night. He was uh, terrible with runners in scoring position. I think I looked it up. He was batting 100 with runners in scoring position before he hit his home run last night. But... Um, you wonder who the star is going to be tonight. And as you said, if the Phillies can get that small ball thing going, hit and score runs, you know, that's that's where they're going to be most successful, not necessarily on the home run and uh, depending on that for them to win. So Herrera had a good game last night, smacked a couple doubles, and he goes up there and just plays this game with, with wanton disregard sometimes, even the way he runs the bases. <laughs> And we saw that a little bit last night. I had a feeling that he was going to do something like that before it happened last night because he seems like that kind of player. He gets pumped up, and he gets so pumped up that he forgets what he's supposed to do sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of fun to watch, especially when the Phillies win. You know, it was a uh, – it, it was – last night was kind of a microcosm of Odubel doing what Odubel does, uh, being who he is. Uh, it was a bad, bad mental baseball play, you know, and he, he blows it and he blows a chance at a run. And then he comes right back next to that bat and he, he slices a huge double, you know, to, to drive in a huge run for them. Uh, <clears throat> he's, you know, so far since he's come back, he's hitting 389. Um, he's got six RBIs in just seven games He's, you know, scored four runs. Uh, he's got three doubles, a triple, and two homers. So he's got six extra base hits. He's that gives make, gives him a one point four OPS, which is outrageous. Uh, <clears throat> there's no arguing that Odubel Herrera has produced since coming back, uh, and they were getting nothing out of center field. So uh, there's a there's still a lot of fans who are anti Odubel. And it's understandable, you know, the whole domestic violence uh, incident thing. Uh, there are people who are never going to forgive or forget uh, that incident, <clears throat> uh, whether they should or shouldn't. Um, how long, you know, how, how contrite can a guy be? Can he do anything to make up for that? You know, how long do you punish somebody for one incident? Was it only one incident? There, there are a lot of things to consider there. Uh, do you hold one incident over a guy's head forever? Um, you know, those are all things that fans can debate. What isn't debatable is that he's given them a productive center fielder uh, since he's returned. And as we've seen with Odubel here for what, five, six years now, you're going to get production at times when he's hot and he's hot right now, but um, you're also get 
you're also going to get those boneheaded plays once in a while, like he, he, he did last night and uh, breaking for home plate when he shouldn't have. So, you know, uh, you know, kudos to Herrera for the production that he has provided to the team. Uh, he could be a big player tonight. You know, there's a lefty bat at the bottom of the order against Scherzer. Uh, another guy that I'm looking at tonight is, is Schwarber. Uh, there's a lefty bat in the middle of the order who, you know, he, he had the big home run last night and he's still only hitting 169 on the year. Even though he has produced, uh, he leads the team with five homers. Uh, his 13 RBIs are second on the club. So um, he has produced to an extent, but career-wise, uh, his, his numbers, the back of his baseball card shows that he's got more to offer. Uh, he's not going to hit 169 for the year. Schwarber's going to hit more like, you know, 249 to 269. And so that means at some point he's going to go off on uh, a stretch where he hits more consistently. Um, Bryce, you know, Bryce can produce a little more consistently. He's a lefty back going tonight against Scherzer. So, you know, Harper, Harper, Schwarber, uh, Odubel, you know, these are guys that uh, I, I think they have, a, they have a chance to be the guys. If the Phillies are going to be able to get to Scherzer, these are the guys that have a chance. Another guy to watch is Alec Bohm. You know, what a what a comeback story, Rich, right after, what was it, maybe 10 days ago? You know, he had that uh, incident where uh, he says, uh, I hate this effing place, you know, or, or, or I effing hate this place. Yeah. And uh, the fans were all over him on social media. And uh, he was lesser people and lesser players. And, and we found out that Boom is not either of those things in the aftermath. But at that point, uh, there are guys who would have been absolutely buried in this city, and they have been in the past. Uh, Boehm turns it all around by standing up. He doesn't try to make excuses. He doesn't try to, to uh, uh, sugarcoat anything. He owns it. He apologizes. He says it was a heated moment. He says it was stupid. And then, then what does he do? He, he elevates his play. Uh, to back that apology that was obviously sincere, he backs that up with by elevating his play both defensively and offensively. Uh, Alec Bone's been one of the Phillies' best players over the last week or so. So uh, kudos to Alec Bone. Uh, he really turned the fans around like that after what could have been a really ugly uh, incident and turned into a really like get him out of town moment. Uh, for the fans who, who up to that point, there were a lot of fans who, who frankly, Rich, as you know, were, were ready to get rid of Alec Bohm. They were ready to say, you know, trade them, uh, let Bryson stop play third, let Camargo have it, you know, whatever, uh, put Didi there, anything but Alec Bohm. Uh, Bohm turned that around so incredibly. I don't, I don't know that we've seen that here in Philadelphia to the extent that Bohm has turned it around in the last week or so. So, Kudos to the kid, and let's hope he keeps that up. Yeah, he deserves a medal for the way he, <laughs> you know, obviously when you're in that spot, you make, I think he made three errors that night. You're you're going to hear it from the crowd. It's just inevitable. And, you know, he said something he probably didn't mean, and I uh, bounced back from it. So 
you know, Rich, he probably did mean it in the, in the heat of the moment. And I think that's why the fans respected him. Like in the heat of the moment, he said that he owned that he, he did. He said it in the heat of the moment, you know, and that he was frustrated. Kid was frustrated uh, as much with himself, but also with the fans. And, and it's human. Like you just said, you're, 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 you just made the three errors. You're not hitting. The team isn't doing well. You're, you're the whipping boy. He was the whipping boy at that point. And like I said, somewhat uh, deservedly. And then, you know, what does he do though? Just, you know, just an incredible turnaround. I mean, you know, kudos to Alec Bohm. Uh, like, like I said, let's hope it continues. Uh, the kid is an outstanding offensive player. He's, a, he's an outstanding hitter. He's got a great eye, great patience. Uh, this is why they drafted him as highly as they did. He, we don't know if he's ever going to develop real big-time power. He's never going to be a Mike Schmidt. Uh, he's never going to be a Ryan Howard, that kind of power guy, uh, third base. But he certainly can develop into like a 25 homer guy at third base. And he's an outstanding hitter, a 300 plus hitter. He could be. And at the moment he is, he's hitting 308. So if he continues to produce it offensively the way he has turned it around in the last week or so, uh, he's going to be a valuable player. And if he can be just an average defensive third baseman that would be huge for this organization and he has been a little more than that over the last week i'm not saying he's a gold glover over the last week but he's been better and he's been uh, at least average if not a tick above average over the last week at the hot corner so uh, third base which was becoming almost as big a problem as center field for the phillies uh, if you think back to the first couple of weeks of the season both of those positions now with Bohm's resurgence and with Odubel's production, um, they're really not, they're really not the problem areas anymore. You know, it's the big guys getting a little more consistent. Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, Hoskins, uh, if they get a little more consistent, this team can really take off. Yeah. It could be a powerhouse. And uh, I did some comparisons with the offense uh, before the series started and they're very close offensively. As you mentioned, uh, Schwarber, only batting 169, but he has five home runs and 13 RBIs. Looking at Francisco Lindor, you know, he's a showier player. He's got more hits, but he's got four home runs and 14 RBIs. So if Schwarber can just get on base more, Castellanos, Harper, the three batting leaders of the Phillies, if they could just pick it up a little bit, it could be all over. Um, and the Phillies would be rising up sort of like the Marlins have. They have seven wins in a row out of nowhere. All of a sudden, the Marlins are a, a contending team in the NL East. Yeah, I'm not buying Miami still. Uh, I just don't think that, you know, through their lineup, through their order, through their uh, their pitching, their young pitching is is solid. But uh, I'm just not sold on the Marlins. They're hot right now. You know, they won seven games. They won eight of the last 10. Uh, they're sitting at 12 and eight, uh, second place in the division. But uh, as as much struggling as the Phillies have done, they're just two games behind Miami. Uh, the Phillies themselves have won seven of their last 10. So, um, you know, I'm, the Phillies have scored 20 more runs than the Marlins uh, so far. Now they've yielded 18, but... Pitching really isn't the Phillies' problem. Uh, the Marlins pitchers have been just really outstanding. I just don't see Miami's lineup having enough 
to uh, to sustain, you know, where they are in the standings right now. And they're not the kind of team that's going to go out and spend money to to um, to to bolster their lineup. So uh, if you're going to look at somebody who, you know, from that middle range where the Phillies are now, who's somebody to look at it to me, it would be still Atlanta. Uh, the Braves, you know, they're the defending division champs, defending world champs. Um, they're just 10 and 12. So they're only a game behind the Phillies in the standings. They just got Ronald Acuna back. So, you know, I, I think, I think that where the Mets are right now uh, running, running, uh, not running away with, but kind of running on top of the division uh, with a little bit of a lead I think that you're going to see the Phillies and the Braves uh, make a run at them. And that, 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 that would be a big surprise to me. If you don't see this division really tight at the top, by the time we get to the end of the month, by the time we get to Memorial day. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting in the NL East as time goes forward. Well, we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. We've been streaming it live on the Facebook feed. So if you find us on Facebook, hit that like button Share it if you like, and uh, share us with your friends there, Phillies Talk Podcast. And Matt, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you on the internet? And I lost your uh, audio there. For there you go. For baseball. For baseball stuff, Rich, it's always better to find me on Twitter uh, at Phillies Bell. So the feed on Twitter is at Phillies bell uh, like the big bell that rings when they hit a home run or win a game out there in center field at citizens bank park Phillies bell and I, i'm also on Phillies bell on instagram but i really only use that to put up some uh, that day in history kind of stuff for the phillies so uh, the twitter feed is where i'm more active uh, I, I tweet a lot of and retweet a lot of articles pertaining to the phillies uh, share some my opinions, uh, some statistics. Uh, the the daily history stuff is there, so uh, it's a great great resource for Phillies fans to follow. That's at Phillies Bell on Twitter. Yeah, I always look forward to your posts every day, uh, the history stuff and all. It's a shame you can't put it into a book because uh, some of those posts are awesome. It's a lot of research you do on that. Well, you know, I can't take all the credit. Uh, there are multiple sites out there that I visit to get that information. So uh, there are other people out there compiling the, the, <laughs> the information or they have compiled it over the years. And I just know where to find it. So I just go out there and pick it up each day and see what they're offering. And I share it with the fans. So it's kind of makes it, I think what I try to do for the fans is make it a one-stop shopping, you know, uh, pretty much anything that you want to know about the team you're going to find at my site. And I'm going to pull it from wherever I can find it. Uh Uh-huh. Very cool. So check it out at Phillies bell on Twitter. And of course you can stop by the website at fightingphillies.com. That's the home uh, blog, some stories. I, put out about three or four stories a week usually during the season and of course the uh, podcast is there as well as well as itunes google uh, spotify all over the internet and baseballtalkradio.com which is about 50 of the best independent shows on baseball right now so check it out at baseballtalkradio.com all right well thanks for listening to this edition everyone and uh, if again, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, hit that like and subscribe button. Join us. Uh, you'll get a notification when we do a show, that kind of thing. And thanks for joining us. And Matt, maybe by next week, the Phillies uh, 
could see themselves in a better position in the NL East. Yeah, they're they're not in a bad spot, Rich, but uh, you know, uh, win tonight and maybe uh, you know, a couple wins against Texas this week. Uh, they got the day off tomorrow, so I'd like to see them, uh, you know, a little bit, maybe a game or two closer where they are when we start that Mets series come Thursday. That'll be a really interesting series for the fans to get out to. The weather should be nice and uh, great, great uh, rivalry against the Mets next Thursday through Sunday. Looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully that chill will be out of the air because we've had it chilly around here, uh, lingering into this morning, actually. It was like 36 in the area. Yeah, we around this house, we can't, you know, the heat's on one day, the air conditioning is on the next day. It's like we're at that time of year. It's crazy. But, right. you know, we'll get out of it. And next thing you know, it'll be all air conditioning until September, October. You know? Yep. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Go Phils.